Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter five, uh, chapter 6. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll get there in a moment. Um, we are in a series looking at, talking about what it means to be the family of Jesus, the new family of Jesus. And if you're new to New Life, you couldn't have come at a better time because we're really unpacking our vision as a church. And what does it mean that God has called us to be together as a family? And so um, today we're going to talk specifically about our uh, kids and our, our teens and the implications for that in our church here. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk to married couples and singles. And, and so we're just trying to get everyone that we possibly can during this, this vision series because to be the family means that there are implications and different layers of what it means to be family. And we want to talk about all the things here. And so today we're going to focus on, on our, our kids and our, our, our youth and what does that mean for us as the family of Jesus here. And so one of the reasons why we wanted to spend an entire Sunday talking about kids and youth is because uh, for one at New Life uh, we have about 300 kids and youth that gather as part of our church family here and that's a lot of people uh, I know we typically think of kids as not necessarily like human like adults necessarily and but those, that's a lot of human beings that's a lot of people and uh, their formation matters to God and so in the scriptures and the gospels one of the things you see Jesus consistently doing is Jesus consistently saying let the kids let the children come to me because in that society, kids were an afterthought. Kids were marginalized the same way that the poor were marginalized, the same way that uh, sick people were marginalized. Kids were an afterthought. And in many places in, in the church, in churches specifically, kids are an afterthought. Churches for the adults to have a great time and to lift their hands. And as long as the kids are not breaking stuff, we're okay. But we're not okay with that. We want to have our kids spiritually formed in deep and profound ways, and this has implications for all of us in this room. And so whether you have children or not, whether you have adult children, or whether you are retired or, or you want to have children, uh, this uh, message is for you today, and we're going to talk about that. And so uh, I'm excited for two reasons, because this is Orange Sunday, this is the first time we're, we're doing Orange Sunday, and we'll explain that in a minute. And so some of you probably received this, nonetheless, some of you grabbed two or three when you walked in. Uh, and so some of you grabbed an, an orange here, and I'm excited because this is our first time uh, doing something like this. And on Facebook, I posted a picture of, of, of a bunch of oranges, and someone said, Rich, those are not oranges, those are clementines. And, I, and I, I knew they were clementines, but I called them orange anyway, because it would be weird to call it Clementine Sunday. It just doesn't have a, a, it doesn't roll off the tongue as well, Clementine Sunday. And so we said, yes, there are clementines, we'll make believe they're oranges. Uh, but then someone, a new lifer, said on, on Facebook, she made a comment, Roshan, I don't know if Roshan is here today, but Roshan made a comment, and I thought it was wonderful, and she said these words. She said, Clementines are, are kind of great for our kind of orange church because Clementines are a cross between a Chinese Mandarin and a sweet orange. And so what you have in your hand is a multicultural orange, okay? <laughs> and so you have a multicultural orange for our multicultural community here. And so that's why we gave our oranges. We also gave out oranges because last week we gave out ice cream and M&Ms. And so we wanted to balance out, uh, you know, balance it out a little bit. We just don't want to be emotionally healthy. We want to be physically healthy as well. And so that's why we gave you the orange as well. So I'm also excited because this is the first time that uh, Rosie's up here to uh, teach with me as well. And so... 
I'm, I'm really excited. I'm thrilled about it. Some of you, I talk about Rosie so much in my sermons. and some, I've never met Rosie. Does she exist? Who is she? Who is this Rosie? You're always talking about it. So here she is in all of her beauty here right before you here. And so um, Rosie really has been the, uh, the architect behind our family ministry and how we are developing our kids and how we're developing our youth here. And so she's going to share a little bit after I just frame our time with some scripture. She's going to share what does it mean that we are an orange church. And so last week I talked about what the church isn't. I mentioned that the church isn't three things. The church is not a stadium. The church is not a crowd of uh, spectators. The church is not a mall. The church is not a crowd of consumers. And the church is not a subway. That the church is not to be a crowd of anonymous people in close proximity to each other. The church is to be something different than that. The church is to be the family of Jesus, the new family of Jesus, where Jesus grabs people from all over the world in different socioeconomic status, all different colors, different ages, and he says, I want everyone to come together because I'm creating a new family through my power, through my name, through my authority. And so we gather here today, 73 plus nations in our church, from people from all around the world, different ages, different generations, and we come here together by the sheer miracle of the power of Jesus. And we are not just to function as a church that gathers on a Sunday morning in close proximity to each other from different nations. That would just make us a sanctified subway car. We're more than a sanctified subway car. We are the family of Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about what does that mean particularly for our youth particularly for our kids. And I thought, why not do this on a Sunday morning where we can get the full vision of what we're trying to accomplish as a church. And so if, if you don't have kids, if you don't have teenagers, or maybe your kids are grown up, this message is still for you because we're going to invite you to participate in different ways so that we can see our family here nurtured in Christ. And so uh, I want to read a text out of Deuteronomy 6. And this is going to be our passage for the day. And I'm going to frame our time and Rosie's going to uh, share more about what it means to be orange. But, but Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, hear the word of the Lord because th- this is Moses speaking to the people of God as they are about to enter into the promised land. And so Moses has some very important words that he wants to share. Moses is in the hundreds right now. He's hundred and something years old, and he has final words. And whenever you watch a movie or whenever you know some, whenever they start speaking final words, you really want to pay close attention because they might say something critical. And Moses is about to say a whole book worth of, of critical information that we need to, uh, for our lives and particularly for us today. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, hear the word of the Lord. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for joining us together, the new family of Jesus here at New Life Fellowship Church. And Lord, as we think about the emerging generation, this next generation, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see them the way you see them. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to find our place in this family, whatever you are inviting us to do. 
And so, Father, may you move, Lord. I have a, a, a Lord. A, I know you have a vision for us that kids and youth and young adults would would really grow and be deepened in your love. And so, Lord, may you teach us how to do that today. We offer our time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. Uh, One of my favorite sayings is an African proverb, and many of you have heard it uh, at one point or another, and very simply says that it takes a village to raise a child. You've heard that before, it takes a village to raise a child. And that phrase is really significant, that proverb is very significant, because it speaks to the reality that no matter who you are, all of us need support. All of us need help. No matter how smart you are, no matter how much money you have, no matter what neighborhood you live in. When it comes to raising a new generation, we all need help. We cannot do it ourselves. And so when we look at our text this morning, really that's the essence, what we're trying to get at. That it it, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to raise an emerging generation of people. And so at New Life Fellowship, we are to be a village. We are to be the village. The village of of who Jesus Christ has called us to be as the family of, of him. And so... One of the challenges that churches have, particularly churches that grow larger, is it's easy to lose that village element, that element that our lives are interconnected with one another. And the larger churches grow, the very easy, it's easy to become disconnected and separated from each other. And so at New Life, my vision is that the larger we grow, the smaller we grow. The larger we become, the smaller we become. That we continually create environments so that we can know each other, so that we can be known and that we can know, and that we can allow our faith to shape the emergency generation. And so in our text, we have Moses with the same burden. Moses has a deep abiding burden because he's at the end of his life and they are about to enter the promised land and he can't enter the promised land, but the new generation is about to enter the promised land and Moses has a burden. He wants to, he he has a concern. He wants the next generation to get something. And so he leaves them final words. Now, the book of Deuteronomy comes from two words, actually two Greek words. Deutero means second, nomos means law. It's the second giving of the law. And so this is the second time that Moses is giving the law. The first time he gave the law was in the book of Exodus in chapter 20. And when he gave it, he gave it to a a, a previous generation. He wanted them to know this is how the people of God are to be identified by. But now years have gone by. There is a new generation that's emerging. And Moses wants to give them again. He wants to give them another lesson again. And remind them, as G.K. Chesterton said, we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. He wants to remind them again of who you are and who has God called you to be. And so he simply says this. He, He says, hear, O Israel. Which means, it's the prayer, the Jewish prayer, the Shema, which means hear. And he goes, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, and with your might. He's saying that at the core of the being the people of God, we are to be lovers of God. That is who we are at the the core of our identity and relationship with God. We are to be lovers of God. And that love is to permeate every aspect of our lives, our minds, our hearts, our souls, our strength. The way that we work is to be done as a loving God. And Moses could have stopped right there, but Moses doesn't stop right there. 
He continues after he gives the concern that they would love God. And then he says these words. He says, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall impress them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, when you take the train and when you go to the grocery store and stop and shop and when, you, when you're ordering Chinese food. I mean, he's everywhere you go, you are to be impressing these words on your children. Bind them as a sign of your hand. Everything about your life should be oriented around these commands to love God. And so Moses' biggest concern was that the next generation of people would be lovers of God. And Moses knew that this could, if this didn't happen, if this was not handed down, that the people of God would be in significant trouble. And so Moses says these words, He says, impress them on your children. This is the the burden before us today, that we have an emerging generation behind us that are in our pre-K rooms right now, in our elementary rooms right now, and meet on Fridays in our junior high, uh, on Sundays in our junior high environments, and our high schoolers meet on Friday. And we have this emerging generation coming behind us. And Moses is, is concerned with them, and we should be concerned with them as well. Our hearts should be beating very rapidly so that they also would be lovers of God. And so Moses says, impress these words on them. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say inflict these words on them. He doesn't say impose these words on them. He says impress these words. Lovingly teach them. It's it's almost like... a, a. a repetition, a lovingly repetitive way of instructing them so that they are impressed with the commands to love God. And Moses, he wants, he, this is what we want. Moses doesn't want the new generation to, to be forced to love God. He doesn't want the new generation to be guilted into loving God. He wants the emerging generation to want to want to love God. He wants it to flow out of them that I want to love God. That junior high schoolers say, I want to love God. That high school students say, I want to love God. That elementary students say, I want to love God. And we have an opportunity to form that. We have an opportunity to shape that. And Moses knew the importance of spiritual formation. And we are to create this space at New Life. And so at New Life, we, we wanted to create, a, create space on a Sunday morning to talk about our, our, our strategy, our approach. Because it burdens me that emerging generation of, of students would know Jesus and know deeply of his love. And every one of us in this room can play a role in that. And so that's what it means to be orange. And, and in a moment, Rosie's going to explain exactly what it means to be orange. But this is the heart of God. This is the heart of Moses. This is the heart of Jesus. And this is my heart as well, that we would have a a deep resonance that the emerging generation would love God with their heart, with their soul, with their mind, with everything inside of them, they would love them. And so we wanted to create an approach. How can that happen for the emerging generation? And so with that, I want to invite Rose just to share, what does it look like for us to be orange, to be an orange church community for the emerging generation? She's from Brooklyn, y'all. Thank you, my dear husband. Um, All right, so what is is orange? Why orange? What do we... It's really not a pleasant color. It doesn't really go great with a lot of skin tones. Why orange? 
Well, Orange is something more. Orange is a strategy. It's a partnership. It's a partnership between the home and the church. So we start with two colors. We start with yellow and red. Yellow represents the light of the church. The message that we hold, one of the best messages in all the world, that God came here. He became a human to die on the cross so that we can have a relationship with him. What an amazing truth. What light this brings to the world. Yellow represents the church. And then we go with red. Red represents love. The love of a home. This is where a child can feel accepted, loved, and taken care of. These two influences are potentially very powerful influences in a child's life or in a teen's life. They have great potential to change these kids' lives. So, God initiated them both. And he chose to use these two things to demonstrate his love, his story of redemption and restoration to the world. So, what are we going to do with these two very powerful influences? Well, right now, these influences are separate. You have the church here, you have the home here. You have the church that's yellow. If you paint with yellow, what color are you going to get? Yellow. If you paint with red, what color are you going to get? Red. Just one outcome. But, what if we decided to combine those colors? What if we decided to combine those two powerful influences? You get a completely different outcome. A completely different co color. You get orange. Orange is a partnership between the church and the home to impact and influence the next generation with this amazing truth we have. And I'm falling. <laughs> These cracks don't work with heels. Um, so now that I've explained to you what, what orange is, the question is, well, why did we choose that? Why orange? What's the point? Like, there's so many other ways that we can do ministry with kids and teens. Why orange? Well, the stakes are really, really high. Research says that 50% of kids who grow up in church will walk away from their faith by the time they graduate high school. 50%. So picture the kids in our kids' ministry, the youth in our youth ministry. Pretend they're out there. See their faces. Half of them will walk away from their faith by the time they graduate high school. I don't know. Some research actually says 70%. It's, the, the, the statistics are staggering. And I don't know about you, but I'm not okay with that statistic. And we shouldn't be okay with that statistic. Well, think about this. Here I have a big old tub of gumballs. Someone's going to get a cat. Mm. Uh, there are three thousand gumballs in this jar right here. This represents the amount of hours that parents have with their students, with their teens, and with their kids in a year. Three thousand hours. 
We've already taken out school. We've taken out um, like soccer practice. We've taken out band practice. We've taken out all those things. These are 3,000 teachable hours that kids have with their parents or that parents have with their kids. I have another jar here, and in this jar is 50, our 52 marbles. This represents the amount of hours we, the church, our small group leaders, our storytellers, our youth leaders, have with our kids in a year. Now, if you take out holidays, if you take out vacations, sick days, if you take out the baseball uh, game that's on a Sunday or the dance recital, that number averages to about 40 hours a year. We have an amazing message, and we have to give it in 40 hours a year. It's not enough. Who has the potential to have the biggest influence on a child or a teenager's life? Parents. So, so what do we do with that? Well, there's two critical truths that I want parents and all of you to really focus on as we talk today. Number one truth, parents, no one, no one has more influence on your child or more potential to influence your child than you do. No one. That's 3,000 hours. Um, think of it this way. I actually have a story about how I grew up. I, uh, I grew up in church. My parents were leaders in church. They were pretty much pastors in the church, and so we spent every waking hour in church. So it's youth ministry, prayer meeting, regular Sunday service, Sunday school in the morning, in the afternoon, you know, everybody ate and they made empanadas and arroz con pollo and all that stuff. We were in church all day long. And that's how I grew up. And my parents were very, very keenly aware of this influence that they had. They knew it. It was, it was, they knew it internally. It was just in them. And so they spent a lot of time reading scripture to us and with us, and sometimes to us when we were focusing at, you know, zoning out. They spent a lot of time praying with us. It even went as far as uh, my siblings and I, we liked reggae, specifically dance hall reggae. And my dad went and bought a Christian reggae CD. I didn't work out too well, but thanks anyway, Dad. I really appreciate that effort. Um, so they knew. They knew that they had influence, and they were going to do everything they could to share the gospel, God's love with us. So some of you are like that. You grew up in church. It comes easily. You know how to pray with your kids. You know how to share scripture. You know how to use Christmas time to do the Jesse tree. Google it. It's really interesting. Um, you know, you know it's in you. But some of you, it makes you kind of nervous to know that you have the biggest influence in your child's life. Well, for parents who know this and who have it in them already, there's something you need to know. You can't do it on your own. You can't. And for those of you who are really nervous about this practice, you're not going to do it alone. That's why we're here. We're here to partner with you. The second critical truth that I really want you to know today is that not only does the parent have the most potential to influence their child, but parents, now this may be a shocker to some of you, and some of you this will be a hard pill to swallow. Parents, you are not the only influence your child needs. You're not. You're not. It's easy for, 
uh, Richard and I, uh, we have a five-year-old who just started kindergarten and a two-and-a-half-month-old. And so it's easy for us to think, um, oh, you know, we're enough. We're definitely enough for our kids. You know, they're little kids. So there was one time where Karis was starting kindergarten. We're like, okay, Karis, you've got to get your name down. Because you're going to be writing your name all over the place. Except for all my walls. Mm -hmm. So let's get together. Let's work it out. So we did the K, awesome. We did A, awesome. We did the R, awesome. Then we got to the S. Little problem there. She was writing it backwards. And the top part was smaller than the bottom part. And we were working hard. And I was going to be frustrated. I'm like, Lord, I have no patience. Just write an S. Stop this. Just do it. <laughs> to prove it here as oh, well yeah, here. That's right. here you go. Yeah, Mel there. <laughs> She's super proud of her ass. And so, I mean, for me, I learned an important lesson that day. I learned that I'm not the only influence my daughter needs. If you think about it in the light of a teenager, you could be telling a teenager, yeah, that friend is not good for you. They're just, they're just not. They're living with other, they're not good for you. They're not good for you. You shouldn't hang out with them. And then somebody else comes on in. Like, let's say their small group leader, John. John comes in and says, yeah, you know, that guy's not cool. I don't think he's a good friend for you. I've been telling you that forever. And the kid's like, yeah, my friend John, my small group leader, John, said he wasn't cool. It's the same thing. Parents, you are not the only influence your child needs. So, what is one way that we want to partner with parents? There's lots of ways. We have a whole family map coming out soon that talks about milestones in a kid's life. But I want to share with you one. One way that we want to partner with you parents, and that is small groups. It's a huge way we're partnering with you. We have decided, and we have made painstaking effort to have a consistent leader every single week show up to just be with your child, with your team. Every week they serve. Why? Because they know this to be true, that 3,000 is way bigger than 52 to 40, week, 40 hours a year. So we have small groups, or in other words, we call it widening the circle. Widening the circle of influence. You are pursuing strategic relationships for your kids. You are placing another dog in the life of your team, in the life of your child, to say the same things that you are saying. We were saying to Carlos, right, that's this way, right, that's this way. It took Theo Jason to come in and say the same thing we were saying for her to get it. Partner with us. Bring your kids to smaller. And so what does this mean for parents? Just that. Choose a service that you want your child to come to and meet with the same leader and the same group of friends every single week. 
Well, what about the church? What does this mean for you? This means you have an, an enormous opportunity to be the village. To take advantage of the 52 to 40 hours a year we have to influence the lives of these kids, of these teens, for the gospel. Be the village. This is your opportunity to do that. So we actually have a video uh, that sort of uh, talks about um, how small groups has impacted Blue Life Kids so far. We've, we've started about three years ago, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy, but God has been doing amazing things in the lives of our kids, in the lives of our parents, and especially in the lives of our small group leaders. So take a look. My husband and I came to church, and most of the time we were sitting in uh, the nursery or the second, the two-year-old class, and we felt like we were coming to church mostly to sit in classes with the kids. But as they introduced small groups and as the teachers uh, were consistently there every week, the kids were easy, more easily bonded uh, and came to class on their own. We lead the children in small groups. You know, we have the round table, so we have five or six children at each table. And um, this is a time where we get to speak to the children. They talk to us. We talk about what we were teaching today. But there's also um, a better connection there when we teach them in small groups. Well, my youngest child, he attends this class. Um, and he has a lot of fun singing. And he brings the songs home um, with him. And he sings along. Um, and the verses are very simple, so he can understand them. And we get the, the forms at home that we could connect um, to what he's learning at church. We could connect to them at home. It's important to connect with parents because I'm only with their children for an hour and a half out of the week. Um, and even the parents are not with them 24-7. They're in school, they're with, you know, friends. And it's important that we're kind of all on the same page in terms of um, the message that we're sending the children. The idea of um, Owen being in a small group has been um, really an interesting idea. To know that our son can learn this idea of community, prayer support, and fellowship early at you know, the age of four and a half is significant. When I started realizing what Orange was about, um, all the hours that we have as a parent um, through the year to spend with our children compared to the time that they have in Sunday school, I definitely felt um, that responsibility to my children even more. And what Orange, this Orange strategy gives us a gift. Those forms that they give us every week with Bible verses and the different days that we can look at um, are helping bridge the gap between what they're learning in, inside Sunday school and what we can go over with them at home. The reason I want to be a small group leader is I feel at this age, I teach second to third grade, they're very influenced by the things that's around them. I want to create a safe place that they can come together with their friends and I want to use that time to teach them about God. I really believe in it. Um, they're the Orange strategy is connecting um, us with our kids, um, supporting us, um, and I think it's really a great thing for every church to have.
membership through small groups. We decided to be very intentional about doing small groups, and we knew it was going to be hard work. So parents, what are your next steps? Village, what is your next step? Well, we have small groups for kids from our littlest preschooler all the way up to uh, junior high on Sundays at every service. Junior high only meets at 10.30, though. Uh, we hope to change that soon. So if you want to get your kids in a small group, bring them to a consistent service. It's okay if you miss a week or two or if you switch a day or two, that's fine. But it's the intentionality of, I want to plug my child in to this particular leader to come every week and be together with their friends. Now, what about high school? Well, if you want your, your high schooler in a, in a small group, bring them on Fridays. Fridays we do small groups for our high school students. And singles, professionals, empty nesters, well, what do you do? Partner with us. Partner with parents. Be the village. Help influence this next generation with the amazing truth that Jesus loves them and that he's come to have a relationship with them. Be the village. Uh, so there will be a table in the lobby, uh, actually in the shower room, with, I mean, you can't miss it. There'll be a big balloon saying pink, orange. And uh, once you're down there, you'll be able to um, actually pull out one of these forms for parents of junior high school, junior high school students, as well as um, kids all the way from preschool to junior high. We want you to fill out this form, even if you have filled it out before. Because at the top, you're going to be choosing a service that you want to enroll your child in a small group there, or plug your child into a small group. Fill it out and drop it off in our environments or downstairs in the lobby. You'll also be able to ask questions, and you'll also be able to meet our, uh, our new uh, youth pastor, Matthew, and just ask any question you want. So um, I thank you, and I encourage you, for those of you who don't have kids right now, young kids, be the village. And parents, we're here to partner with you and be your biggest cheerleader as you parent your kids. Thank you. All right. I want to invite the worship team to come forward, and uh, thank you, Rosie. Uh, Rosie's very passionate about this. It's, it's evident, and uh, I get to hear this every day. I get to hear this every single day, so it's, it's, a real, it's a real gift here. But as we close here, I want to leave you with this here. Besides what just Rosie said, I want you to join the family ministry team. You can hear about that downstairs. But, but Moses, I want to bring it back to Moses. Moses really had two passions, two passions. The first passion is that the people would love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second passion was that they would lead the following generation to do the same. And really, that's what we're trying to do at New Life. We're trying to be people that love God with everything inside of us. And at the same time that we are preparing the way for the emerging generation that's sitting in classrooms all around this building right now, that as they grow up and they become our age as well, that they're loving God with everything inside of them. And we can play a significant role in that. And so downstairs, as... Uh, Rosie mentioned you can meet our youth pastor, you can sign up to join the family ministry team, or you can just get some more information, or parents, you can uh, put in those forms so that we, our kids can have a consistent small group that they're a part of every single week. And so let's all stand together. We're going to sing a, a song of response to God. Um, and so with everything that we have, let, let's sing to him. So Father, thank you for this place today. Thank you that you have a wide vision for us as the family of Jesus. Not just for us in this room, but for kids and generations that are to come. And so, Lord, give us that kind of vision where we move beyond just our own lives and 
move towards what you want us to think about, which is the following generations as well. And so, Lord, we sing back to you now words of worship and thanksgiving. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, all right, amen. And so as we close our gathering, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right. We have the Lord's table to my left. And you can come up the center aisle here and we'll, we'll have uh, some folks to offer that to you. We take bread, we dip it in the cup to be reminded that Jesus Christ was broken and bruised so that you might be whole and healed and that we might be a whole and a healed community as well. That we'd be the family of Jesus here at New Life Fellowship Church. And to my right, we have our prayer team. Now, some of you in this room, maybe you've come in with heavy hearts for whatever reason. Maybe there's sickness in your body. Maybe there's some stress in your life and you need some prayer. But if you're a parent as well, I want to particularly invite you. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you have a parent of a teenager, a parent of a child, and you're at your wit's end right now. You just need someone to pray for you, to anoint you with oil as a sign of God's presence on your life, that he is with you, that he is for you, and he has never left you. And so you can come up for prayer for whatever need that you have. And downstairs, as I mentioned, in, our, in the shell room, our youth pastor will be there. I want you to meet him as well as uh, some other stuff to learn about what it means to be orange. And so if you're new here, I'll be in the lobby area. And I would love to meet you, especially if this is your first or second time or if I've never met you before. And so I'll be downstairs. But let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And if you're new here, we end every gathering like this because this is a posture of receiving blessing. The world grabs, we are called to receive. And we cannot give what we have not received. And so this is why we end our gatherings like this. And so with your hands in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. And may he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit with a greater awareness of his presence. And this week, may you cultivate that love. May you love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. May you recognize that we love him because he first loved us. And he loved us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So I bless you all today in the strong and the beautiful in the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace.